There's a lot of Christians and a lot of churches that want the basic model. Just give me the basic church and the basic model of the gospel and, and I'll be good. Just let me go to church and sit down and get up and leave. And whether the Holy Spirit speaks to me or changes me, the whole point is I walked in the building on Sunday morning. Guys, God wants us to know more about than just a basic Jesus. More than just a basic salvation. He, he, he wants to know what is our bottom line and how much is it going to cost us today to follow Him. And there's a lot of Christians today that, that don't know the bottom line. What it takes to follow Christ and what it takes to really see Him make changes in our life. And I love this story. And I'm going to get started because i got a lot to preach and not near enough time. So I'm going to get started. If you have your Bibles, open to Matthew, Mark chapter 10. Most of y'all have heard this story of blind Bartimaeus. I, I love this story of when Jesus was coming into Jericho. He's coming in and the crowd is following him. A big crowd is following Jesus into Jericho. And there was a man on the side of the road named Bartimaeus. had been blind and he had begged most all of his life. And, and I love what this man could have did. And this is where we're at today. We can stay in our begging begging condition or we can get up and go to Jesus. Amen? No matter what condition you're in today, no matter what you're going through, no matter what, uh, it doesn't matter if Satan attacked you all week long, you don't have to sit on the roadside begging every day. Because of what Jesus Christ has did on the cross and, and, and give us eternal life, yes. When you accept Him, you have eternal life. But listen, Jesus wants us to get up every day, go to our job, raise our families. He wants us to experience Him in everyday life. Amen? And I think this is, this is where we need to be. Churches today need to experience Jesus every service. Not just a good singing service and a good building and nice programs, but actually experience Jesus. I don't know about y'all, when I come preach, I want to experience Jesus. But I want to preach God's Word in a way that our church body experience Jesus. Because some of y'all may have had a rough week when you came in. Some of y'all may be just depressed. A lot of deeds. Disgusted. Some of y'all might even be busted. I don't know what your situation is. And you may, but it may not have been a one week thing. There may be some in here that's drifted away from Christ and you've been, you've been gone for Christ for a long time. You haven't feel him, you haven't feel his presence. You haven't felt him speak in your life in a long time. You may feel like Jesus is here and you're way out there. But you don't have to be like blind Bartimaeus and just barely make it every day as a child of God. Amen? That's not the life he wants us to have. And now, I told my class this morning, there's a lot of discouraged and depressed churches. <laughs> I mean, they come in for worship service. And I mean, I've been to better funerals than some of them. Amen? There's no sense coming into church and not worshiping, praising the one that died on the cross and gives us eternal life. Amen? But see, here's the deal. We want to worship that away and run our churches that away and do programs and feel no presence of God, see no change in people's lives. But then we expect the community we live in to be changed by the power of the gospel. The gospel first has to change us. Amen? The gospel has to change us before we can make an impact. If we want to be a gospel-driven church, and, and, and listen, there's no greater thing to invite your friends, especially one that hadn't been going to church, invite them. And say, there's no greater to say, if I could just get them to come one time. If I could just get them to come one time to church with me, Jesus would speak to them. 
He would change their hearts. It may not be drastic, but there'll be a seed planted that, that just gnaws and gnaws and gnaws away. What a great, what greater place could we be in as a church, amen? To say, hey, if they could just come and see the gospel change them. And so before we can be a gospel-driven church and impact this community, the gospel has to impact us. It has to impact your family. It's not a one-time thing. Are y'all with me this morning? You say, Brother George, I got saved 40 years ago. You should be growing deeper in the gospel every week. Amen. Jesus should... Hey, that's great. If you've been saved 40 years ago, Jesus should be sweeter today than He was back 40 years ago. It's like your marriage. It ought to be sweeter today than it was 10 years ago. I got some amens. I was wondering. I wasn't going to go there. All the women's done elbowed her husband. Say, Amen. I love what J.D. Greer, he wrote a book called The Gospel, The the Revolutionary Power of the Gospel. J.D. Greer wrote this. He said, many people consider the gospel to be a springboard to Christianity. Almost like a diving board on a swimming pool. But the gospel is more than just that. It's not just the diving board, it's the pool itself. I love that. The gospel is not the diving board. Yes, it does spring us into eternal life, but eternal life and abundant life is in the pool. And that's what we need today. It's not about, listen, the church today, then the statistics on the church, it's getting worse and worse for the church. And I'm not being depressed, I'm just telling you, 3,500 to 4,000 churches shut the doors every year. That averages out to be about 75 churches a week shut the door. Because people stop coming, they can't pay, pay the light bill. Whatever it may be, the doors are shut. And, and the reason is, is we need to really show the power of the gospel. And we can't show the power of the gospel until the gospel becomes real to us. Amen. Did I put that up here about methods, Tina? Did I write that down for you? I don't know if I did or not. I got it. Churches today have incorporated so many models, so many methods... And programs that are dependent upon the execution. And there it is. We got to execute every time we come in on Sunday. Amen? Some of y'all sitting out here may not know, but I'm talking to the leaders here. We don't have to execute. We have to follow the Holy Spirit. Amen? But here's what churches do. They do all these plans, all these models, all these copycat programs from other churches. And they want to execute. They are dependences upon the execution of those things. Often overshadows our dependence on God to show up and to do something supernatural. We cannot rely. Listen, I'm not against programs in the church. We got them here. They're very good for everybody to be involved in, but we can't rely on a program to take the place of the supernatural ability of the Holy Spirit changing hearts. A program cannot do that. Now listen, you're to be changed by the Holy Spirit. I don't care if you've been saved for 20 years. You may come here and all of a sudden you got life again. You're excited about your walk with Christ. You're excited about what this church is doing. And you say, Brother George, I want to be involved somewhere. And I say, Jamie, hey listen, this girl here, you know, this guy here wants to come down on Wednesday night and help our program because we had 100 kids last Wednesday night and we need more help. 
But it doesn't stop there. She Listen, this person goes to the program because she's been supernaturally charged by the Holy Spirit has changed her to say, hey, won't you use your gift and help somebody get what you got? It's not about doing a program in a church to just call it a Wannas or a gospel project or, or, or we can call it iron sharpens iron. The ministry, the, the name itself doesn't change you. And we think that we've got to come in every week and do these programs and do them right and execute them to a T. But let's, listen guys, we can't forget the power of the Holy Spirit is what motivates us to be a gospel-driven church. Amen. Amen. I may not execute everything when I preach on Sundays. Ask Michelle and Tina. I will give them, I try to give them some good notes. You'll see here in a minute. I mean, sometimes, I know Michelle, she has to get so mad at me sometimes on that computer. I will write out a great sermon, at least I think it is. A great sermon note to her, you know, and I got... And I try to be real professional and, and seminary addict and, and <laughs> if that's a word. And I try to have it all even and I try to get it my main ball when I start and point one, point two, point three, and let's end it off with a big finish. And I try that and, and, and guys, I try so hard to come up here and stay on the script. <laughs> I do. And then I went, just like last Sunday, I got up and preached and had her great notes and preached maybe one point. That I, all of that she put in there. And, I, and I, apologize. I feel bad. I said, I'm sorry. I give you all that. I only preached one thing. One thing. If I was in a big old giant mega church, the media people would look like they'd be bald. They'd pull their hair out over me. What I'm saying is, let's not execute and keep it rigid and keep it, if we don't do this, let's do what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. Amen? That's a gospel-driven church, whether it's outside, inside the church. Now, where was we at? Mark chapter 10. That was all free. Mark chapter 10. Look, i got to get going. Now they came to Jericho. As they went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the roadside begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. He began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more. So Jesus stood still. And commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man saying, Hey, be a good cheer. Get up. Jesus wants you. That last part was George. <laughs> be a good cheer. Rise. To his call. He is calling you. Verse 50 says, And throwing aside his garment, he arose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbanah, I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. And immediately he received his sight. Now he got healed, but look what else he did. What did he do? He figured out what the bottom line was. It says that he followed Jesus Christ. 
And I believe Bartimaeus followed him all the way to the cross. We don't have a lot more writings about Bartimaeus, but I believe he followed Jesus Christ because when you get touched by Jesus, you get touched by the Holy Spirit, you can't help but want to follow him. If you get saved, you want to follow Jesus. Because when the gospel touches you, you want to go out and touch somebody else. Amen? And we need a church today that's willing to go out and see people's lives changed by the message of Jesus. Not through George Vincent, not through Pleasant Hill Baptist Church, but through the power of the gospel. And what Jesus did on the cross. That's what I'm all about. I could care. You can call me Baptist. You can call me for supper. You can call me anything. I don't really care. This is some of the greatest compliments I get, Rick. People will come to this church and walk out and shake my hand and say, Oh, we wouldn't have known that was a Baptist church if you hadn't have said something or we read the sign. And I'm going, thank you, Jesus. They're recognizing more than just the church. Maybe they've seen him. That's what it's about. I could care less. We could be Pleasant Hill Community Church. Sound good to me. All the Baptists just sunk down there. We can't do that. I'm having fun. Can you believe I've been here almost 11 years? Now they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho, his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat on the roadside begging. Listen, for us to experience Jesus as a church and continue to experience Jesus, gospel-driven church flows out of a Bartimaeus church. He gave us a great example here of how to call upon Jesus. You just don't get up and go out and reach the community with the gospel It's got to affect you in the overflow of it. So when we get a church body, more than just the leaders excited about what God's doing in our church. More than that. More than the vision I'm trying to preach to this church and the leadership. And and if I'm the only one excited, and sometimes I feel this way. I get up here and get excited and get to preaching. And some of them back are going, Amen. I don't want to be the only one excited about what God's doing in this church. If you're over a ministry in this church, you need to be excited about what Christ is doing in your ministry. Some people say, well, I just can't. Some leaders in this church might say, well, I can't get excited, Brother George. Then you need to get struck by the gospel or something. Amen? You need to get a Barnabas church inside your heart. Because Barnabas sees the moment. He's been laying here, he's been begging, and I I could just imagine him laying on the side of the road and hearing the feet coming and all the crowd and and people were excited. Because when Jesus came into town, there was excitement. People talking, hey, did you, man, he just healed a guy. Man, this guy got up and walked back here. He spoke, and this little girl sat up out of a bed. I mean, it was great. And then he had some bread and fish, and, and they're talking. And, and man, there wasn't no more than a basket full. And he fed a whole hillside, at least five or 6,000 people. And Bartimaeus is sitting here, and I believe it was just an ordinary day. He'd been to that same roadside, that same spot. They dropped him off every day. And he's sitting there going, Alms for the poor. I've been blind for years. Help me. Anybody want to buy me a steak dinner? Biscuits and gravy will be just good. <laughs> Barnabas, what are you doing there? I've been here many, many days. Nothing's going to change. I just got in a rut of begging. And by the time he hears about Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, the one that is healing people, the one that is changing lives, and his ears perked up. 
And he got to thinking, saying, you know what? I'm getting tired of begging on the side of the road. I'm getting tired of people carrying me up to the road and dropping me off and leaving me to depend on other people. Jesus, he said, man, just think, if I could just one time, if I just called out to him, maybe, just maybe, I am sick and tired of living in this condition. Just maybe if Jesus passes by, maybe he'll hear me if I call out to him. And see, that's where we got to be. We need a self-checkup today. We need to see where we're at spiritually in our walk with God. Now listen, that's everybody in here. If you're saved and under the call of my voice today, I'm not talking about the adults, I'm talking about the teens. I'm talking about everybody that names the name of Jesus. You have to do this. If you want to stay... I mean, if you want to stay up and following Jesus and, and, and see people's lives being changed, sometimes you've got to take a self-checkup. Where am I at in my spiritual walk with God? Where does God want me to be today? What is stopping me from going and calling and going after Jesus? See, most of us go to church every Sunday and we never have a self-checkup. Or if the preacher, if the preacher does the self-checkup for you, I ain't shaking his hand. He made me mad preaching on that right there. Well, I wonder why. Usually the first dog that yelps is the one that gets hit by the rock. Amen? We need a health self-checkup spiritually. Where am I? Am I leading my family? In the present, well, my mom and dad did. They raised me, raised me in church, and, and I, I know, Lord, I'm not raising them like my mom and dad. And God's not asking you to raise them like your mom and daddy is, Amen. But He do, He does. As mom and dads, and in this church, want us to lead our children to the cross, and to show Him that there's hope. In the cross, even when bad days, even when we're under peer pressure, even when we're depressed, there's room at the foot of the cross. We need, they, listen, they need to know that when bad things happen, first thing they see is mom and dad, not on Facebook, not on Twitter, not on the phone with friends, but they is in their bedroom on their knees crying, calling out to Jesus. Amen. I may be in a bad situation, but I listen, we got to learn how to seize our God moments. Everybody in here can have God moments. Jesus Christ, sometime this next week, is going to pass by everybody sitting in here. And everybody in here, we're all sitting on the side of the road. And Jesus is going to come walking. And He's going to be talking. There's going to be a crowd around. And I love what Barnabas did. Listen, for, for us to really experience Jesus as a church, we cannot be embarrassed to cry out to Him. For you to be what God wants you to be as a mom and dad in your family, just a man and a woman of God, we've got to learn. Sometimes you've got to get desperate. Churches today are not desperate for Jesus. And here we go. The reason they're not is most churches want to look right, wear the tie and suit, impress people, maybe get a couple business tips and make some money. That's why I go to that church and go home. That's a bad reason to go to church. You want to worry about that at Pleasant Hill? We'll put you to work. I don't go to church because certain people go there. I don't go to church. I don't preach at Pleasant Hill to try to get a certain sect of people. 
I want a people that are hungry and want to call out to Jesus and say, Jesus, I can't handle my life no more. Son of David, have mercy on me. I'm tired of begging. I'm tired of living in the same spot every day, doing the same thing, never experiencing the Holy Spirit, going to church every week, waking up on Monday, going to the job, brushing my teeth with the same toothbrush. Using the same comb I've had for the last 50 years. I'm sick and tired of getting up doing the same. Jesus, I'm tired of begging. Jesus! You've got to get desperate. How many of y'all remember when your kids were little? Some of y'all, that might have been years ago. But I remember when Hunter was little, and your kids the same way, they'll do anything to show you their ability to impress you. Remember that? I remember Hunter... When we first, we're a big hunting family, so we got him a bow when he was little. It had the little stoppers on it. He couldn't have been this big, and he'd be in his room shooting it. We had a little target in his room at our other place. He'd pull it back. Hey, Dad, come here. Watch how good I can shoot this bow. He'd look at me like, tell me I'm good. <laughs> Your kids want you to come to their sport events. Amen? They want to impress you. Every child wants to impress their daddy or their mama or their grandma and grandpa. They just want... Hey, I loved it when I played ball and my dad was in a ball game. You knew when he was there. Come on, George, straighten up! <laughs> Scream. He could be in a basketball gym and everybody knows there's Fred Vincent. George is probably got to be playing. I run into one of the Ralph Pinkerton, he used to be at Lake Hamilton. What was he? Was he an assistant superintendent? He used to be the assistant superintendent. I just ran into him a couple of weeks ago. And he said, George Vincent, I know what he's thinking. My, have you grown? <laughs> and I used to play basketball and baseball. And he said, it was, it, was, it was him and Mr. Walston. Mr. Walston used to be a principal and stuff there. And they, they was both sitting there laughing and talking. They said, man, we remember when you played ball. Man, we still sticks out in our mind. You're the only one we've ever had a dad screaming from the stands. And I'm thinking, parents scream all the time. And I said, well, he used to scream a lot. Yeah, I know. They said, no. He screamed one time he was playing basketball. And you threw the ball away three or four times, got it stowed. And he stood up and said, coach, if he can't play no better than that, sit him on the bench and let him think about it. <laughs> And I'm like, sit down, Dad. <laughs> but that stuck out in their mind. We always want to impress. It's no different in church. We come to church on Sundays, try to impress God. Amen? I'll stand up here and I'll preach a sermon. And just because people shake my hand on the way out and said, that's got to be one of your best. Man, we love it. That was a great sermon. And I'm going, see, God, wasn't that a good... And God looks down and says, George, it was a great sermon. <laughs> but I wrote the book. And Tim and him may have... I was gone a couple weeks ago. And Doug called me and told me how church was and said, man, the worship was great. Tim and him and the praise team, they did great. Man, it was great. And I got to thinking about that. God could even look down at the praise team and say, man, that's some great worship. But, you haven't heard my angels in our choir in heaven sing. Amen. Amen. 
See, we always try to impress God what God is looking for, just like Barnabas. He wants us to be desperate and cry out to Him. And sometimes God will let you get to your rope's end until you, until you lose every, sometimes possessions, money, let's call it resources. And God will let us do that. He'll let us fight it out and use every resource we can grab from till finally He wants us to call to Him. And Barnabas, Barnabas, he cried out to him. He said, I'm desperate, man. I need a change. How many of y'all ever feel that way? Be honest. God, you need to, man, you need to shake the pot a little bit. And then when he does, I'm saying, quit shaking. I mean, just a little, but don't make it hurt. See, God will shake us sometimes to make us take a self-checkup. And we always need that. Barnabas said, man, I believe he laid there and imagined how good life could be being touched by Jesus. I bet he thought about, man, I wonder what it felt like when he raised that little girl from the dead. I wonder what it felt like when the feeding of the 5,000. I wonder. And he said, I can have that. If they can have it, I can have it. And so he jumped up and he started screaming out, Jesus! Jesus! And I want to read that verse. It says, And when they heard that Jesus, he began to cry out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. That's just like people. Religious people. He starts finally getting desperate. Finally went to the right source for help. And some of the church folks, shut up. You're disturbing the master. And I'm going to preach a sermon on critics. Because if you're going to present the gospel and live out your walk with Jesus... You're going to have critics. Hey, how many of y'all, y'all's had critics? How about right here? How many of y'all's got critics? There's only five in this row, you bunch of angels. Critics. These people messing up. Critics. They criticize how you coach, they criticize how you preach. I've had people, man, that guy down there's crazy, holler, screaming, running around. We want a three piece suit and a guy to stand behind a pulpit and just real nice. But listen, you're going to have your critic. Critics will either be your stumbling blocks or your motivation. Amen? Your critics will be your stumbling block. Or they'll be your motivation to spread the And let me let you know a little secret. As long as this church is spreading the gospel, reaching into the community, touching Lake Hampton School, and up and down 70, listen guys, as long as we continue to do that, people are coming down the aisle. They're being saved. We're having baptisms. People are joining. As long as that's happening, we're going to have critics. It doesn't matter if 300 got saved today. They're going to pick on me because I preached the way I did. Idiot. Ask Randy about that later. Ask Randy about it. 
Everybody's in class. They're laughing. They know what happened. Tell them outside on the way home. Desperation is the key. The key to God's heart. We can't impress Him. But our hunger does. Because the Bible said Jesus stood still. When He called out Jesus of everything that was going on in Jericho, the Passover coming up, all the crowds talking about Jesus, of all of that, Jesus stopped and turned to Him. And and it says that He called out to Him. Now here's the deal. Listen guys, you can have a hungry heart, you can call out to Him, but then when He stops and responds to you, you know what it is? Your time now? Decision time. When He calls, it's decision time. I either stay where I'm at, say, I'm good, never mind, I didn't think you was listening. Or, just what did Jesus say? He said, rise up and come to me. And all the people said, he's talking, he's talking to Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus. All of his critics run over and grabbed him by the arms. They didn't have to grab him. The Bible said, as soon as Jesus called out to him to come to him, he threw away his garment. Now that may not mean a lot to you today because we have cars and internet, Xboxes, iPhone 6, plus, plus, pluses. A garment may not mean a lot to us today, but in them days, it was a prized possession. And you say, well, what does that mean when he stood up and threw his garment? It means that he was tired of living. Listen, the pain of staying the same has to become greater than the pain of change. Did y'all hear that? The pain of staying the same. This is for you as an individual, and this is for Pleasant Hill Church. I would love to preach that to all the churches. That's why churches aren't growing. That's why churches today in our community and in America are shutting their doors. The reason is, hey, they're 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 you know, it's you know, it's kind of uncomfortable being on the side of the road every day, but you get used to it. We hadn't seen the move of God in 40 years, and we don't have the best, but you get used to it. We ain't had nobody walk down the aisle in two years, but you get used to it. That's the mindset of the church. Because they don't let go of their garment. I brought something. I want to try something here. This is, this is the way a lot of churches are, and this, this may be the way we are spiritually. I know this is where Pleasant Hill is. Years ago, when God started blessing Pleasant Hill Church, we started growing. We moved from that building in there to in here. Then we expanded more. Then the third time we did more. Listen, church, we cannot never have this t-shirt mentality. You say, what is that? I'm going to show you. I'm going for it. Hang on. I knew I'd do that. Pull that down in the back. Man, that thing will make you look buff. 
you ain't got nothing on me this week. I feel like Spider-Man. But listen, here's where we are as a church today. We want to talk about how good God was 50 years ago. 20 years. Boy, when Brother So-and-so was our church, God moved. He was great. Brother So-and-so was there. Boy, when I was a kid growing to church, we used to have worship services, man. Not like today. I mean, we're not the, today is the frozen chosen. I mean, but boy, back when we was growing up, people at Baptist church raised hands. They had worship. They had shout. They were on fire for Jesus. See, it's not a denomination. Desperation is not a denomination. See, Bartimaeus had to decide to sell out to the gospel. He had to sell it all up. And this is where a lot of churches, this is why churches aren't growing. They don't want to give up the old shirt. Even though they've outgrowed it, even though it irritates them, it's tied under the armpits. But I love this shirt. It's the way it's always been. I'm keeping this shirt. But don't you want to grow? Don't you want to call? Don't you want to see more people say, like the way it is, like my shirt? <coughs> How's you and your church shirt doing? Oh, we're doing good. <laughs> By the way, our preacher lets us out at 12 o'clock. <laughs> is that why you wear that shirt? Yeah. It hurts, but we get out at 12. They don't make us do a lot at church. They don't challenge us. <laughs> but I like my shirt. Y'all's laughing, but God's looking down seeing shirts all over America. And we wonder why. And we wonder why. And then y'all want to get on Obama and the government. <laughs> well, it's Obama. It's not their government's fault. It's the church's fault. We've been wearing the wrong shirt. <clears throat> Don't laugh at my shirt. I like my shirt. <laughs> but we want to blame Obama, the government. Guys, it's got to start. Listen, the church has got to get desperate for Jesus. The church has got to get desperate and cry out to Him and not be embarrassed. But then when Jesus recognized, stop still and recognize you, you got a decision to make. Do you want the basic cow or do you want the bottom line? Amen. You've got to sell out. Here we go. Comes off a lot better than it goes on. Barnabas, there it is. Barnabas took away his garment. Jesus said, "Won't you quit being irritated and fighting it and living this life and and just doing what you're doing? Won't you come and let me give you an abundant shirt? I'll make sure it fits when you come to me." Hey, Amen. This is good. When you cry out to Jesus, you get to get rid of that irritating shirt. He gives you one that's loose-fitting. It makes you look skinny. 
It don't irritate no more. Man, this is cool being with Jesus. Amen. Man, this is great. It actually feels good. Guys, listen at Pleasant Hill. This is my prayer. If we want to be a church that's relevant, not to the community, not in the eyes of other churches. I could care less what other churches think of my preaching the ministry in Pleasant Hill Church. Amen. Y'all got to talk to him. I could care less. Listen, we need to be worried about what do we look like in the eyes of God. Amen. And we ought to be worried about His approval and not the public. See, I used to, when I first started preaching, I wanted to make everybody happy. I mean, everywhere I went to preach, after revival services, I wanted everybody to join hands and sing Kumbaya. And say, He's a great preacher. We love Him. Let's all go home. But then after I got to preaching... But not just preaching, but selling out. Selling out to be a preacher. When I traded my little shirt into for one that fit, and started following the Lord, and quit looking at my critics, and the approval of people, and just be a minister of the gospel, and just preach it, and let the chips fall where they may. I was a changed man. Because I finally knew what it felt like to wear the right size. Listen, people on your job, they're going to try to put you in a small shirt. People at your house, your husband, your wife, your kids, they're going to try to make you wear that shirt that irritates. Other churches, they definitely want you to wear a shirt that looks like them. You just tell them God's not no cookie cutter Christian. Amen. We different. I'm a born again child of God. I'm different. That's what the world needs to know. So my prayer for Pleasant Hill and I'm closing. My prayer is that we'll if we'll even be bolder for Jesus. We'll learn to sell out, not just on Sundays. That we'll sell out in our ministry. Amen? We'll sell out in the youth group, the children's ministry. We'll sell. Listen, praise team. You've got to learn to sell out. It's more than just singing. But it's selling out to Jesus. Trade your shirt in this morning. You say, I, I don't know. You need to throw your garment down and just go to Him. And He'll work all things out for the good to those that love Him. Heavenly Father, we love You this morning. Lord, I pray that You'll speak to every heart. Every heart that's in here this morning. Lord, if there's 
There may be some people in these pews and chairs. Maybe they're sitting there right now and feeling like Barnabas. They just kind of, every church service, every time they go to church, every day they go to the job, every day they're at the ballpark or with their kids on hobbies. They feel like blind Bartimaeus just sitting on the roadside begging. But Lord, we need to learn to seize the moment when you pass by, when you convict us, when you speak to us. We've got to get up and we've got to cry out to Him and let Him know that I can't handle this no more. I can't do it by myself no more. Jesus, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And I guarantee you He'll stop. No matter what the world's saying, no matter what's happening around you, Jesus is going to stand still and He's going to say, rise up and come to me with your problem, with your burden, with your need. I say, you're going to have to get rid of some of the stuff. And the, the pain of staying the same has to be greater than the pain of change. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? We need to see some Holy Spirit-led meetings. Amen? Won't you get desperate this morning? Don't impress God no more. Just call out to Him. Cry out to Him. Because see, desperation is the key to God's heart. I don't know what the hearts are in here today. I don't know. Some of y'all might be drifted so far from God and be in church here every Sunday and hear me preach, but you feel like your heart is cold. You can't forgive. You can't forget. It seems like the devil is always discouraging you. He's always putting a burden on your back. And the devil will use good church things to make you weary. If you feel that way this morning, you need to throw away that old garment and call out to him. Lord, have your way in this service. Lord, you've quietened hearts in here. Lord, you're speaking. You can hear a pin drop in this house today. Because I believe it's the holy hush. Of the Holy Spirit in this place. God's presence. And He's speaking. Will you come out to Him today? Won't you give Him your heart? Lord, have your way in this service. Let us step aside. And let you be ushered in. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Let's stand quietly. you come and try on a new shirt this morning see what God has waiting at the foot of the cross for you the same cross maybe that you came to years ago and you called upon the name of Jesus and you were saved but maybe you've drifted maybe you've got away from that old cross and you've done good church stuff but you got away from the cross oh you was busy but you got burdened won't you come back to the foot of the cross won't you take off that irritated shirt? The things that